0: The Dragonlance Nexus is proud to present the Dragonlance Canticle. Greetings, friends and fellow companions, and welcome to another exciting, rip episode of the Dragonlance Canticle. Say more ums than Megan can edit out. I'm, um, Trampas Whiteman.
1: I think you underestimate my power. Go Megan. There is no limit to the editing I can do. Hello, my name is Megan J. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Megan J. And joining Trampus and I,
2: my name is um John. <laughs>
1: that one I'm going to leave in.
2: Yes, you can find absolutely. Me at, um, lots of places.
0: <laughs> Take that one out. <laughs> And that's our crew for tonight. Well, we have a lot of exciting news to talk about and a ton of uh stuff going on with Dragonlance, with Wizards of the Coast, and it's kind of an exciting time to be a fan right now.
1: Absolutely. August uh, 20... Oh, now I just did it. You got it. You got into my head with the us August 2022 <laughs> has been a good month to be a Dragonlance fan. Wizards has announced that... The new Dragonlance adventure, which is titled Shadow of the Dragon Queen, is going to be released on December 6th. The adventure will be released in regular hardcover. It's going to be released in hardcover with an alternate cover as a physical and digital bundle through D&D Beyond. Of course, you can get standard digital version through D&D Beyond. You can get a deluxe edition, which will include a DM screen and the board game Warriors of Kryn. And there's also going to be a special steel box edition available through Beetle and Grimm. You can also pre-order it on uh, wizards.com or D&D Beyond, or you can even pre-order it on Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. So it's going to be everywhere December 6th. Um, although if you order the bundle of the physical and digital copy, you get two weeks early access to the digital copy. So I may end up Heck doing yeah. that. <laughs> I may end up doing that just for that. Uh, but Dragonlance isn't the only thing that they announced. There's going to be. Uh, A few other exciting announcements for 2023, a new adventure anthology that's called Keys to the Golden Vault, a full-sized Fandelver campaign, which so far is just titled Fandelver campaign. I'm expecting they'll come up with something a little snappier than that. Two Mm -hmm. new source books, Big B Presents the Glory of the Giants and The Book of Many Things. And of course, the news that warmed my soul to its very core, the release of the Planescape campaign setting for 5e.
2: Yay! Hey. am oh, excited about that one.
1: So the perhaps the biggest news for the uh, general D&D world as a whole is the release of the playtest material for what's being called, quote, codenamed 1D&D, a.k.a. D&D 5.5, due to launch in 2024. Um, and I'd actually like to start with 1D&D and work our way backwards. But before I do, I just want to say, address the elephant in the room, that we're not going to be discussing Dragons of Deceit just yet. We will be doing an episode dedicated to that, but we wanted to give everybody a chance to read and process before we did a deep dive. So please subscribe to the podcast and you'll get notified when that episode comes out. Hopefully uh, not too long, sometime next month. But let's talk about 1D&D. But before I do, the what's been released so far is just playtest material, which is intended for people to read and provide feedback for. So nothing has been carved in stone yet. There's a lot of people who are having connections about it, but it is just playtest material. And so far, we've seen rules for character creation that are not entirely dissimilar to the 5th edition character creation rules, but they've kind of been reorganized. So there are certain racial groups, humans, elves, gnomes, dwarves, uh dragonborns, tieflings, orcs, halflings, and a new race called ardlings. And each is assigned racial traits, and players can choose which racial traits a character will get if they, say, have a human parent and a dwarf parent, which parent gets their, gives them the racial traits? Or if they're a dragon born tiefling, which parent gives them the racial traits? And then your ability score bonuses come from your background. So if you are a, if you choose the acolyte background, you get a plus two to your wisdom and a plus one to your intelligence. And every background will also get two skill proficiencies, a tool proficiency, an additional language and a specific starting feat. So how do you guys feel about these? character creation rules as they're presented
2: I haven't had a chance to really look at the uh, the ardling yet um, but I, I like how they've kind of simplified some of the the racial aspects like the dwarf everybody just gets the bonus hit points now you don't have to be a you know a, a hill or a mountain dwarf or whatever it was uh, to get the bonus like a dwarf is just a dwarf uh, they do kind of give different aspects to the elves. They still, still do have, you know, features for the Wood Elf, the Dark Elf, and the uh, the High Elf, and same thing with the uh, the Tieflings. Tieflings. There's three types of Tieflings um, that you get different things for. So the, but the, I think the Halfling and the Dwarf are just Halfling and Dwarf, uh, and there's no variant in human. Uh, all humans get the feet now, uh, the bonus feet at first level. So if you're using these playtest rules, if you're playing a human character that gets a feat for being a human and you get a feat for being, uh, for taking a background. So first level human will have two feats at first level, uh, compared to everybody else that gets one for their background.
1: Trampus, what do you think?
0: Well, you know, again, a lot to digest that there, there's some things I really like about this, uh, uh, to mirror what John's saying, the, um, Uh, I like the way dwarves are done, you know, there's no reason to have subraces just based on, you know, where you grew up, unless it's something like elves where it's an, an environmental thing, you know, like with elves, they seem to have this knack for conforming to various environments. So, you know, astral elves are different than wild elves are different from sea elves and so forth. And in fact you'll note that the term subrace doesn't seem to be there. Uh I think it's kind of different based on what you're talking about, but like elves, um you know, the drow, the high elves, the um wood elves. I'm sorry, I will always call them wild elves, thank you. Wood elves. They um are all known as lineages, um, a term that was used in Ravenloft. Um one of the things that I noticed that was interesting was You know, what we've kind of known as half races. So half elves, half orcs, rather than, rather than having separate rules for those, what they're doing is they're basically saying, okay, pick one of your two parents. And, um, from there, you pick the stats of one parent and then you just add in some physical, um, looks and stuff from the other uh mix and match however you want in terms of looks and that's your character now i i did notice in the i think it's the tal Doray book that critical role put out the way they did it is they basically said okay take some traits from either race but try to balance it out so switch out a combat ability for a combat ability or a skill ability for a skill ability. And it, it gave some good guidelines on that. And as an example, they showed this lovely picture, this half, half dwarf, half orc that I just adore. But I will say, I, I, I do want to add one thing to this. What I really admire about these half races, and I don't know if there's a better way of putting it, but, um, one thing I admire is that they stress that this is a blessed event. This is a good thing. You know, I, I don't know how many times we hear that, you know, X half orc character is the result of rape or something like that. It's, it's an old tired cliche. And quite honestly, in this day and age, there's no need to have that in an RPG.
2: Yeah, I'm currently uh, listening to the Elven Trilogy, the original The Elven Nations. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, half-elves are just treated with sh- with such contempt. You know, they're just like, ugh, half-humans, you know. And it's it's been around forever, product of its time. But, yeah, it's it's good to see the rules of the game, uh, the way it's described, is, is getting away from being, you know, something that's not necessarily wanted to be, Half of one, half of another. Because uh, like you said, there's no need for it, especially uh these days. You know yeah, who's well, a
1: half-elf? You know who's hmm. a half-elf is Elrond from Lord of the Rings.
2: Is he? Yeah,
1: is nobody he? ever nobody ever treats him differently.
2: Huh. I, I didn't know that. Because... I knew Arwen was.
1: Yeah. Well, Arwen... She is?
2: Changed.
1: Yeah. Elrond is a half-elf. He's not treated badly. He's the king. So why well, should he, all half-elves be the <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's... <laughs> he'd kick anybody's butt who uh disagreed with him so you know
1: and let's talk about some of the other changes that they have for one D&D. that a few a few yeah. things that really pop up as being mechanically important tool this one i really like tool proficiency including musical instrument proficiency will now stack with your skill modifier so if you're picking a lock you roll your d20 and then you add your sleight of hand bonus and your proficiency bonus or if you're playing on your loot you add your performance bonus and your proficiency bonus i think this is so great because it seems like having sleight of hand and having thieves tools is essentially redundant because you can't be proficient twice mm-hmm. so i think that's a great change and they also it looks like they're organizing spells into what they into three different types so you got arcane spells divine spells and primal spells The divine spells are used by clerics and paladins. The primal spells are used by druids and rangers, and presumably everything else is arcane. Although it's not entirely clear how this is going to translate into game rules. I think it's interesting. I'm interested to see where that goes.
0: Yeah, I know I have some ideas. I mean, for that, we can look back to 4th edition, because they had primal magic as a power source there. So what this is going to do, thematically that works out i i love the idea of primal nature magic not being the same as divine magic what this is going to do though is we're going to get to dark sun eventually i know a lot of people say it's not coming but i got a feeling it is coming i've seen a couple of hints of it and you know the way they did dark sun in uh, fourth edition was they um, they basically said, okay, well, here's a world where the divine power source does not exist. There's no gods, there's no clerics, there's no paladins. Um, so you're left with uh, arcane, primal, and at that time, psionics was its own power source as well. So do I think that might do the be... the same
2: thing for this, and uh, give if this iteration and concept of these spells make it through to the final product as primal, arcane, and divine. Do you think they'll eventually do a psionic
0: grouping? They could, but um it would totally go against what they landed up with for psionics, which is um you know, three subclasses, uh the most notable being the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer.
1: That's what and I play.
0: I think people accept oh, I love that subclass so but i think people accept psionics more if it's um part magic
1: well let's talk about some of the new releases that are coming out for mm-hmm. the edition that are coming out in 2023 i will lay my cards on the table i'm not particularly interested in an anthology book or a Fandelver campaign i am sort of interested in the giant theme the subclasses that we saw in the ua and i'm hoping that the book of many things will kind of be like a a Xanathar's or a Tasha's Cauldron that will have lots of items and spells. That's always fun to have. It is.
2: It is. I'm mostly
1: just excited for Planescape. I mean, if, it's, <laughs> if Dragonlance is my number one and Ravenloft is my number two, Planescape is my number three.
0: Yeah, so Keys from the Golden Vault, that is a um anthology series. And what I like about this is this one is all about heists. Um, I think that's just going to be fun. Um, I don't know.
1: Doesn't appeal to me. John,
0: yeah. what do you think?
2: It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they put it together. If it's because they they did say it was going to be like heist adventures, so kind of comparing the low level ones to the higher level ones, you know, something that you can drop in a campaign. I'm I'm a fan of short adventures uh, that you can drop into a campaign. I did that mm-hmm. with my Horde of the Dragon Queen. Um, after Candlekeep Mysteries came out, I inserted one of those adventures into my Horde of the Dragon Queen campaign, and uh, it was super cool. Everybody loved it, because it was a change of pace. It was at the time of the part of the adventure where they're doing the caravan, and it's just this slow slog of an adventure. So I I knew I had to do something to kind of shake it up, because it's just boring and poorly written, to be honest. Um, But... I threw one of the adventures in there, and they took a side journey to the Feywild in uh, in doing so, because I changed up the adventure to to match what I needed it to do. So they went they went to the Feywild, uh, they helped out some uh, some people in the Feywild, and then made their way back home. So, but it was something cool. I had a warlock tile set up for this huge temple they were in, so everybody loved the whole aspect of going to the Feywild, doing this side quest. So. Like I said, one-shots, you can just drop them, literally edit anything with a little bit of a changing of locations and whatnot to match where you are. But but I do like Short Adventures, uh, the anthologies I, I, I believe are pretty cool. I haven't read all of them, of course, but I, I find uses for them.
1: Having listened to you say that, now, now I can kind of see the value of it a little bit more. I was thinking, oh, a book of a whole bunch of heist adventures? That sounds not fun at all. But yeah, when you say it that way, like you can take one that you like and drop it into your campaign, that... That I think is useful and has value.
0: Also great for, um, for convention games, you know, something where you don't need a long campaign. That's true too. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Like I said, I used it just to to break up with the monotony of what was going on because they needed something to do besides sit in a wagon.
1: They want to just follow a caravan full of treasure that they couldn't steal for weeks and weeks.
2: Yeah, well, luckily in Crin the distance was much shorter. It was only a 12-day journey instead of a two-month journey. Oh, well, that's good. Whatever. So I was able to <laughs> mitigate some of the... Uh, yeah, I've tried <laughs> to play Horde of the
1: Queen. Dragon Queen twice, and each time it's fallen apart because I just don't like it. It's just not good, in my opinion. I applaud you that you're able to run it effectively, but I could never make it work.
2: Uh, when I saw Matthew Lillard at GaryCon uh, at his Beetle and Grimm's booth... Uh, he was talking about these campaign coins and how they're putting out, you know, and I had asked him if they were doing any more legendary editions, like they did with Chris of where they go back and released older adventures. And he's, you know, I can't say anything. And I said, well, it'd be pretty cool if you did the Tyranny of Dragons. He goes, no, it wouldn't be. Nobody likes that game. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, I'm running it right now. He goes, there's like you and like two other people in the world that like that adventure. <laughs>
1: But speaking of Kryn, let's jump over to our discussion of Dragonlance. Um, I want to read out for both of you and for anybody listening, this description that I got from, um, from the D&D website, sort of just an overview of the adventure. Takesis the Dragon Queen, and it's going to take me forever to get used to saying Dragon Queen instead of Dark Queen. But Takesis the Dragon Queen has returned to the world of Kryn. Across the land, her armies of fanatical draconians wage a brutal war of conquest. As the dragon armies march on the unprepared nation of Salamnia, only the defenders of the city of Calaman stand in their way. But the dragon armies want more than just crush their foes, An ancient evil in the dragon queen's service seeks a magical weapon that could dominate Kryn for all time. Dragonlance, Shadow of the Dragon Queen, is a tale of conflict and defiance set against the legendary war of the Lance. Create characters from Kryn, the world of Dragonlance setting, then march them to the front lines of battle against the terrifying dragon armies. Optionally, use the Dragonlance Warriors of Kryn board game to bring this adventure's massive battles to your Dungeons & Dragons game. Um, And then it has a few little sub-entries here. World at War. Introduce war as a genre of play to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Dragonlance introduces the Dragonlance setting with a focus on the War of the Lance and an overview of what players and DMs need to run adventures during this world-spanning conflict. Heroes of Kryn provide character creation rules highlighting core elements of the Dragonlance setting including the kender race and new backgrounds for the knight of salamnia and the mage of high sorcery magic users also introduces the lunar sorcery subclass with new spells that bind your character to Crin's mystical three mystical moons and imbues you with lunar magic and villains pits heroes against the infamous death knight lord soth and his army of draconians so there's a couple things to unpack in this little introduction uh like Just i said a couple, huh? like i said i'm never gonna get used to calling her the dragon queen she's always gonna be the i i think i default to queen of darkness actually when i call her anything so i'm probably just gonna keep calling i'll probably tell my players when i start running this i'll say listen i know she's the dragon queen but i'm gonna just automatically revert to calling her the queen of darkness so if you just hear queen of darkness that's her and then lord soth at the forefront that's quite a change of the story i think that's kind of one of the biggest changes that I've seen sort of Yeah within, they, within this brief description because Lord Soth was never at the forefront
0: of anything. That might be good actually. They they were talking... there who was it? Ray Winninger, I think I saw an interview with and uh he was mentioning how, you know, as they're doing this uh adventure for Cran, they wanted to have one of the most iconic villains and you know, who's more iconic than Lord Soth? Um, we know that he's going to be there. We've seen art where he's riding a death dragon. So yeah, it's, it's good to see Soth and, uh, and we'll get to the covers here in a bit too, because Soth is featured prominently on them. Um, they, I think they're missing the mark on one thing though.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They are stressing, okay, this is the setting of war, 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 war. Okay, I want to read you a quote from Margaret Weiss. Dragonlance is a story of love and friendship set against a backdrop of war. Now, it can be said that the players are going to be the ones bringing that story of love and friendship. But my fear is that when we see this, Watson might focus on the war aspect a little too much. And we'll lose a little bit of that. um... Dragonlance feeling because of that. It, it's hard
2: to dictate to somebody how to play friendship and love though. So they, they can't mm-hmm. really write rules about creating a system of love and friendship. Right. Um, so they're, they're going with what they've got, you know, in, in my opinion, like the, like you said, the friendship that, that comes with the group, your players, um, the the friendship and and potential love aspects of a campaign can definitely blossom throughout the role playing of the group. So, but it's kind of hard to shoehorn that into an adventure. Like, hey, you have to be friends with this guy because it's the campaign of friends and love. I guess maybe they could uh, wait until the My Little Pony uh, RPG <laughs> comes out and steal some of the the mechanics for that. Maybe. Well, there's a line
1: <laughs> here that jumps out at me that says. The, an ancient evil in the Dragon Queen service seeks a magical weapon that could dominate Kryn for all time. So I'm thinking maybe that's going to be kind of the smaller story within the war story. I'm, I'm thinking like, and they talk about, somebody was comparing it to Saving Private Ryan. So I'm thinking like, you know, Saving Private Ryan, you've got this, this one squad. Their mission is to go and rescue Private Ryan. And then happening in the background is this whole war. I think that's kind of what they're going to go for. Like you're this small team. Your mission is to stop the Dark Queen or the the dragon queen from getting this magical artifact, and that's kind of your story within the broader framework of the war.
2: Right. So this this ancient evil, is that gonna be, do you think, Lord Soth? Is that gonna be the red dragon that's featured in uh, with the writer? Or something else? Maybe that weird treant thing that we got a mini coming for.
1: I'm inclined to think that's going to be Soth, but Not 100%
2: certain. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, but I don't know. 300 years does not ancient make?
1: Well, maybe, I mean, maybe ancient just sounds better than kind of old. They talk about this physical and digital bundle as if this is something to be super excited about. And it sort of is. If you want to save $10, which is good. I do want to save $10, but it is not the big deal that it should be.
2: Well, if you go by the cover prices, it's saving twenty dollars because the cover price of the book is fifty. The adventure is thirty on D and D Beyond. So if you were to buy them separately, it'd be eighty. So it's sixty is the bundle. So it's saving twenty twenty dollars on
1: that. Yeah, but you got to pay twelve dollars in shipping. That's true. That's true. So not if you <laughs> buy oh. the deluxe bundle, shipping is free. Oh yeah. Well, thanks. If you for... buy the deluxe bundle for a hundred and fifty dollars, the shipping is free. Yeah. So I mean, a step in the right direction. Sure, but they should have gotten rid of that shipping cost or knocked it down another twenty dollars. Knocked it down another ten dollars. A twenty dollars savings on an eighty dollar product is good. A ten dollars savings on an eighty dollar product. Eh.
0: There's more of this movement to see that when you buy a physical book, that you can also get a code or something for a digital version. Um, like for example, I recently picked up Adventures in Rokugan, and so um, so there good. was there was this uh, sticker with a code on towards the inside of the book. And so you go to drive, drive through RPG, um, add that to your cart, add that code. uh, As you're checking out, you get the PDF of it for free, which is great. If you know that ahead of time, I'm not saying some of us bought the PDF and then the physical, and then had to do some wrangling to get money back, but you know, Hey, <laughs> but I yeah. digress.
1: It's, It's good, but it could be a lot better. And it's definitely not worth getting excited about. People have been talking about wanting, you know, a discount on their digital copy. And yeah, you're getting a discount, but that's not what what people were wanting.
2: Well, maybe in the future, uh, it'll be better. You know, this is the first time they're rolling this out with a bundle uh, since Wizards of the Coast just recently bought D&D Beyond. And they've said that this is the first tests of putting the digital and the books together so hopefully in the future you can pick up a book at your local shop or amazon and it'll have a code in there for you know the ten dollar D beyond version maybe or or something like that
1: yeah i think that would be ideal maybe even encourage people to buy them in brick and mortar stores if you know that you can get a discount on the digital version
2: yeah yeah that's that's a good incentive like have the codes maybe you know just in the the special cover, the alt edition, so you know you're mm-hmm. getting it from the
0: bookstores. Yeah, or uh, just once a go to bookstores, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this, this article that, um, appears on DND.com because I think that this, this article is, says a lot about what we can, we can expect from fifth edition Dragonlance. Uh, the name of the article is What is Dragonlance? The article is written by, I think it's Mike Bernier, I think is how you say it. And there's a few things that were, you know, very much hinted at in the UA, but have been elaborated upon in this article. And this article is not like canon. He even mentions it up front that it might, it might change, but he certainly leaves out things that, and, and makes changes to the lore that makes me think that he has some special insight into what's going to be in the book. So one of the things that he talks about is, well, we know that the Wizards of High Sorcery, the organization is still going to be called the Wizards of High Sorcery. The individuals are going to be called mages. So you can be a, basically any spellcasting class, although they suggest that it's really only for wizards, sorcerers, and warlocks. And the test of high sorcery is still going to be included. So that's fun. They're not getting rid of yeah. that.
2: Yeah, he he alluded to that when they, they did the video you know, last week when they did the announcement. He talked about, I don't, I don't remember his exact wording, but he said that there's, you know, a legendary way to get into the, Orders of high sorcery or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, so they're keeping the test, so that's good. Everybody, I guess all the sorcerers and warlocks are still going to have to take the test. Maybe yeah, that's might. what's going to weed out the bards, because they're just going to have to take the test with their vicious mockery. Yeah,
0: it so, says... Uh, how
2: many you can seduce during your test.
0: <laughs> it, well, it's... Uh, <laughs> gosh.
2: Must,
1: must, seduce, <laughs> must seduce an enemy of, of one charisma higher than you. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> You know, I had something serious to say, and then here comes John. <laughs> you know, Trampus, I know that's why you love me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and the barbecue, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, the what's well, interesting about this section of the Wizards of High Sorcery, and I, I think they kept the name Wizards of High Sorcery after fan feedback, because feedback, fans were very vocal about Kinder, and they changed Kinder based on that. But I think fans are very vocal here saying, hey, you know, you got to keep the name Wizards of High Sorcery. I mean, it, it just sounds cool. It's iconic to the setting, you know, so they keep that. But on the note about bards, you know, it mentions here about how uh, the strict rules devised by the conclave, the wizard's governing body, makes it unlikely for those with a more free thinking way of life, like druids and bards to want to join their ranks. Mm-hmm. So now, you're not why... exactly
1: prohibited, but you're kind of discouraged.
0: Right. Well, and see, that's the question now. Are bards going to be hunted as renegades, you know?
1: I don't or think so.
0: That's, do they they're not gonna have care? To come up
1: with They're either going to have to completely remove that rule or come up with some way to, to explain why a certain magic user, you know, why can a bard get to level 20 without being harassed by the Wizards of High Sorcery when a warlock can't?
0: I I think they're going to go a lot easier on the test where it's not mandatory uh, for everybody unless you just happen to want to join this prestigious organization, you know? Mm-hmm. there's and another While we're changing in- names so
2: we don't leave anybody out, we should change the stalwart legendary group of warriors um, and protectors of Salomnia to just the warriors of Salomnia because, you know, not everybody's a knight. Uh, we've got men-at-arms, we've got the auxiliary, you know, they're all not all knights. We don't want to discourage anybody.
1: Well, speaking of the Knights of Salamnia, there is a another tidbit in this article which jumped out at me. They say that the reason the Knights of Salamnia are hated by the people when the War of the Lance begins is that the people essentially blame the Knights of Salamnia for kind of acting as the military arm of the king-priest and bringing the king-priest to power in the first place. Which is an interesting twist. That's not how Hmm. it is in the classic version. That's not what happens.
0: I think the Knights of the Divine Hammer might disagree.
1: (laughs) I don't think they consulted them. What? They're
0: all dead,
2: so it's
1: hard to (laughs) That's the idea. Like the Knights of Salamnia were, I, I didn't want to say they were under, well, under the thumb of the King Priest, let's say. And following the Cataclysm, the people blame the Knights of Salamnia because there's no more King Priest around to blame. So they blame the Knights of Salamnia.
0: Ooh, 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 villain idea. A death knight who was a knight of the divine hammer.
1: Oh, and he's mad that he didn't get, he didn't get the proper credit for installing the king priest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's why he becomes a death knight. (laughs) Yes.
0: He was like, Uh I was much more evil
1: than people think I was. I demand to be a death knight.
0: I, (laughs) I gotta think about this. Anyway. Yeah. it's,
1: It's just a different, it's a different, Way of interpreting. I mean, they're keeping that aspect that the knights are unpopular, but they're changing the reason why.
0: Well, I mean, they were
2: still even even though there were the knights of the Divine Hammer, Salamnia still answered to Istar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they still served the Church of Istar, so it's not too horribly off the mark.
1: They were at least complicit, even if they weren't. You know, the, very
2: much so. Very much. The so. arms
1: of the king priest.
2: They there was a knight of Salamnia that was supposed to stop the king priest, and he failed. So
1: that's true. Right. There I think I think I remember a story about some guy, some kind of night guy. I forget his name though.
2: I think it'll be Earth. mentioned in this book when it comes out in December.
1: Maybe in the appendix. <laughs> uh <and> there <laughs> there's totally no mention discovered. of Kender stealing in the description of Kender in this article. It's just sort of they kind of dance around the wording. It's like, "Oh, Kender are curious and Kender are so uh, you know, inquisitive and lighthearted."
0: Yeah, boy I, I understand their idea of not having a race of thieves. You know, that's kind of a bad look. Yeah, it's a little problematic. Problematic. That's the word that, that's a uh, word that's used a lot these days. But, <laughs> um, but you know, like with Kinder, that's their entire point. And I think what people forget about with Kinder is that they were created because Tracy had certain moral issues with the whole thief class. You know, that class where people could play it and if they wanted to, they could steal from their entire party and all that sort of stuff. Um, So he wanted to create something that filled that role, but something that was a little bit more innocent, whimsical. And so that's when we got Kinder.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I don't uh, doubt that his heart was in the right place. Yes. But 40 years later, it's gone far beyond whatever he originally intended, and it just doesn't... Well, I mean, it, does, and, it doesn't work, A, for the, the reasons that you mentioned, and B, because they're just too disruptive in people's games, it sounds like. I mean, not not every player who plays a Kender is disruptive, but that's... If you talk to people who don't... Oh, I had one. Talk to people... Yeah, I've had one, too. And if you talk to people who only know a tiny bit about Dragonlance, that's the first thing they're always going to mention. Kender mm-hmm. stealing from the party mates, Kender walking blindly into a dungeon and waking up the dragon. It's just too... Oh, yeah. There's I think that toned-down Kender is the best we could ever have hoped for.
0: That was funny. Anytime you see a Dragonlance discussion online, uh, like when there hasn't been a Dragonlance discussion in a while, that's the first thing I notice is someone's got to bash the Kender, the Tinker Gnomes, and the Dwarves. And, you know, I maintain that Kender aren't a bad race, that there are just bad players. But... I can't admit that Kinder are a race that encouraged the bad players just a little too much. Yeah. Which which is a pity. They're they're so wonderful.
1: And there's yeah, but I mean there's there's a level of nuance to to Kinder that longtime Dragonlance fans understand. But that <clears> people <throat> who only have a superficial understanding of Dragonlance or people who are coming new to Dragonlance because of fifth edition, that they're not going to understand and we just need I think Wizards Wizards is thinking they just need to sort of nip these problems in the bud before they even become problems
0: it's funny how wizards of the coast had no problem uh taking aspects of the kinder for the third edition halfling though (laughs) so didn't make them quite totally fearless but they had a bonus against fear and so on and so forth you know so but yeah it it's fine i think and i think people can play them how they want and yeah you know I've seen some people play kinder very true to form to um uh to the novels I've seen some who've had their own take that's been really good uh Weldon does a great job in our um river of time game,
2: although he did literally just sneak into the dragon's lair like uh, like was just mentioned a minute ago
0: <laughs> oh okay, there was that you know then too I've seen a uh, spelljammer game being played um Online uh, It's, what was it? Heroes of the Multiverse, I think
2: mm-hmm. Is the
0: series, and um The uh, lady who was um Playing the Kinder, she Did a really Interesting character that Doesn't look, sound, or feel Quite like any Kinder That I've ever seen, but if you look at the art And if you think about the way she's playing it It's a valid take on What the Kinder can be, so
1: yeah, and I think hopefully we'll get more of that in the future. People sort of reinterpreting Kender for this new generation, so that they yeah. can continue on into the future. Because we all want Kender to stick around, and they're not going to stick around if they don't make some changes. That's why they weren't. You no, know, that's why they haven't been around for this long.
0: Yeah. Um, now, and see, we know Tinker Gnomes are going to stick around because they've been made into Rock Gnomes. Uh, I don't know if we'll see any sort of mishap chart or anything like that the only race that i'm a little concerned about uh remaining is the gully dwarf and i have a feeling what they're going to do with that is just not make just that a playable it. race well probably maybe ignore it you know um but uh if they have it it'll just be a monster i think
1: i'm sorry before we wrap up on this article there's one omission that I really want to discuss because I think it says a lot about what 5th edition Dragonlance is going to be. <clears throat> There's no mention in this article of the gods abandoning Kryn after the cataclysm. And I specifically was looking through this, looking for this and all the articles that I was reading. It's described that societies are fractured after the cataclysm, which is what we expect. You know, the, the dwarves of Thorbardin turn inward, the elves turn inward, the humans kind of create their own uh new societies. But there's no mention anywhere of the gods being gone during the age of despair. So I'm kind of thinking that they are going to retcon that to be like, oh, the gods never left or, or something like that. Cause and that, that I think means that the entire gold moon, blue crystal staff, Elistan story arc is going to be kind of negated.
0: Well, as I understand it, um, and again, this is from, uh some interview I watched and I don't remember with who, but um it sounded like like basically, yeah, all the stuff that you knew that happened happened. It's just that it happened over there. We're talking about what's going on right here. Which I think is a great way of having adventures and properties like Dragonlance. Um or any other setting where you have these iconic characters You know they have such a spotlight on them in the setting, and you feel like, well, I can't play in that setting in that time because of these other characters. Well, yeah, you can. You know, it's just they're over somewhere else doing their thing, and you're here doing your thing,
2: right? Because contrary to popular belief, there are plenty of stories to tell in Dragonlance, not just for the links.
1: What? What? Huh?
2: I I know it's weird. Like, like for instance, you can take horde of the dragon queen and, and put it into dragon lance it's or storm king's thunder or tomb of annihilation or tomb of horrors if you want to go back to first edition or any number of modules that are not in dragon lance you as the dm you could just put them there because that's your power to do so
1: that is outrageous crazy talk and i won't allow it
2: i know well how you about are this banned you from this
1: podcast
2: for life
0: You can make up your own adventures in Dragonlance.
2: Oh, my
1: goodness. I can't handle this.
0: Oh, now you're going to next. You're going (laughs) to tell me that we can take adventures from Dragonlance from prior editions and convert them if we wanted to. And uh, there's some that don't happen during the war.
1: And next you're going to tell me you don't even have to play fifth edition, that you can still play an older edition. I thought they all
2: vanished off the face of the earth. Yeah, my bookshelves are so empty now, thanks to 5th
0: edition. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Watsi, for coming to my house and you know, taking all my stuff and destroying my childhood memories.
1: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> now that I've gotten that out of my system, or we've gotten that out of our systems, um, let's talk about the board game. So I'm going to read this yes. little blurb yes. here. I'm going to read this little blurb here. It says, uh, Warrior's Crane board game introduces a war game experience to D&D 5th edition. Featuring heroes who participate in large-scale military battles provides a complete standalone cooperative battle experience in the world of Dragonlands. Demonstrates options for integrating play with six Shadow of the Dragon Queen encounters by providing scenarios with win-loss outcomes that impact the role-playing experience, resulting in different encounters and quest choices for players. Designed by Rob Daviau and Stephen Baker, who did Battle Masters, which I've never played but is supposedly very good. So, how do you guys feel? I mean, I looked at the picture; it looks like there is. Uh, tiles for the battle maps. There's cards. There's little characters. There's little token markers, but I haven't played a board game in decades. So I totally. don't exactly know. Yeah. I don't exactly know what I'm looking at. Maybe decades, isn't it? Maybe decade singular is more appropriate, but yeah. I mean, I don't really know quite what to expect. I don't even know if I'm going to play it. I'll probably only ever play it if it has online functionality, which there's been no indication of. I can't imagine they won't do it. So you guys tell me about, tell me if I should be excited or not and what I should be excited about.
2: You
0: should be excited because it's Dragonlance. (laughs) Number one.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) So, um,
1: can we put that in our Facebook group? Can we put that as like our pinned post at the top? Just, you should be Uh, excited because it's Dragonlance.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Just take that little audio excerpt there and, you know, put it in all caps as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> or we can bring back the uh, functionality of MySpace And every time you go to the Dragonlance <laughs> Facebook page That's the first thing you hear
1: Yeah, it just plays like a little MIDI oh of that uh, little robot voice of Trampa saying that over and over again
0: I think it's um, worth mentioning This is not the first time there was a Dragonlance board game So there is precedent for this But it could be quite interesting I always thought that Dragonlance would be great for, you know, for like war gaming or, or board games. I mean, if you think about the, um, X Wing miniatures game for Star Wars, you know, you got all these ships, they're flying around, they got different tactics, things they can do. We could do that with dragons and that could be quite cool.
1: It's interesting because they're, they're highlighting here that it seems as if the, if you play the board game, it's going to have a direct impact on your character, which begs the question, how does it, how is your character affected if you don't play the board game? And then, of course, the real question is, how well is this all going to be done? I guess is really the, is really the real question because on, on paper, it sounds like a fantastic idea, but. Right.
2: Right. But how are they going to put my Minotaur Bard into that board game and have it work the same? That's a good yeah. question.
1: I'm kind of imagining like, and this is just me purely speculating, but. Like, let's say the players come to a new town, let's say Solanthus, just drawing a name out of the hat. They come to Solanthus and then you play this board game, you know, good versus evil. If the good guys win, you come to Solanthus and it's occupied by the knights. If you're the bad guys win, you come to Silanthus, and it's occupied by the dragon armies.
0: By the way, side note. Did you notice that they make dragon army into two words?
1: I did notice that. I did think that was a little funny.
0: I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh...
2: I don't know, I don't know if worried is the word, but they keep putting in like images of dragon army officers and stuff. We haven't seen i guess if Lord Soth is gonna be the uh, the main bad guy, they might not have room to include a dragon high lord um but I'd be interested to see what their art looks like for a dragon high lord uh in fifth edition.
1: Well, I think that there is a dragon high Lord, and I think that they are right under our nose. but that's going to bring me to our next topic, which is. The art. So, when I saw this art, I was over the moon because I was like, this is the best cover that Wizards has done for 5th edition. And then when I saw the alternate cover, I was like, no, this is the best art that Wizards has done for 5th edition. <laughs> I just think it looks so cool, so evocative, so exciting. With Lord Soth looming over it and that big dragon. you got the dragons and the the draconians in the front. It feels so Dragonlance to me and it looks so exciting and cool. But I've heard... The criticism from our own beloved Nexus uh, team that the art resembles Lord of the Rings too much. And the new Takesis art looks like Maleficent, which I don't disagree with. I do think that the art is very, feels very Lord of the Rings, especially Lord Soth is looking a lot like Sauron. But my answer to that was that I think it's intended to clue in players who don't really know Dragonlance that this is supposed to be a more epic setting. So, You look at this art, it makes you think of Lord of the Rings, it makes you think of big epic battles, and it ties sort of Dragonlance with big epic battles in your mind. That's just my thought.
0: I have mixed feelings. I I see some of the criticisms that others have um, brought about. Definitely Soth has a Sauron look of sorts, but yeah, like in that alternate cover, if you look at that, that is a very stylized helmet, and they open up the helmet more to where you can see the mouth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the undead mouth of Lord Soth. I will say that alternate cover looks a little busy in some ways, Um but it's nice that on the flip side of it, there is a black rose on the back. So that's cool. It's
1: got you black rose, got vines, you got embers flying, you got Lord mm. Soth with his eyes glowing. I just want to, I would I would kiss this picture if I could. That's how much I like it. <laughs>
2: but you
0: can on 6th. You get a lipstick on the screen, that's your fault. Yeah, you know, I keep touching that, but you know, the the Draconians look a little off to me. And I'm not certain who that guy is who's riding the dragon. I Yeah, I've that's not,
1: what I wanted to get to. I think that is our Dragon High Lord.
0: I think that's Lord, I
1: think that's a new character.
0: Mm hmm. I think so.
1: Because I'm looking at uh, the minis here, phdgames.com, and it's showing some of the minis from the upcoming release. And one of them that it shows is this character called Kensaldi, K-E-N-S-A-L-D-I. Right. Kensaldi standing or Kensaldi on Red Dragon. So whoever this Kensaldi person is, that's who's on the Red Dragon in the cover. That's not Soth on the Red Dragon. Um, and the reason that I know it's the same person is because they've got that same weapon in each picture. Right. So I think that is our Dragon High Lord, a new character, the person who's actually like running the army while Soth is off looking for this whatever this weapon is. That's what I'm, I
2: am I'm just gonna hope that it's not a Dragon High Lord and that's just a, you know, maybe a general of the army or something. Um because we know who the Dragon High Lords are. We we've experienced them all over the years. So I hope they don't just create a new one just because they They say they can. You know, there's Verminard, there's a whole slew of Dragon Highlords, and Kinsaldi has never been one on that list. Right, but if they're trying
1: to tell a new Dragonlance story in a sort of a different part of the continent, it's got to be somebody new. Because if they use Kitiara, Verminard, and uh, Ariakas, anybody, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, they are supposed to be over in here doing this in this book during this part of the story. So they they would have to be somebody new in order for that to make any sense.
2: But, as far as I understand it, there's only one dragon high Lord per army you know, so they're 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 breaking something uh either way they go if if this is a high Lord
0: now, one thing I would like to mention is there there's a possibility i could be wrong on this there's a possibility there's a third cover in the deluxe edition so, if you look at the art of the deluxe edition, I believe that's the same art that's being used on the um board game i could be wrong on that but uh if you look at that art you know you see a red dragon you see what appears to be a dragon high lord riding it or somebody in dragon armor at least there's a white robe wizard uh what looks like a knight salomnia and a kinder there they're on kind of this rock outcropping and then in the background you see all this army stuff and what looks like some pretty big civics back there so
2: yeah, and that is a different cover than the board game, for sure. We we have never been able to say, uh, as Dragonlance fans before, that we're getting four different cover artworks in at one time. So I'm excited about that myself. because. I mean, it, has any
1: 5th edition release had four different covers?
0: I don't think any one has had more than two, unless you're counting something uh, like some big collector's cover
1: yeah I don't know Ravenloft had two Um, I think Strixhaven had two
0: a lot of them have had two and you know I yeah there's been two for for all of them you know I kind of had to make a choice here with um D&D fifth edition and so I chose basically I'm just getting one of two covers because these books they are not cheap
1: I think that I'm going to get the alternate hardcover and I'm going to get the D and D Beyond. Actually, I might even I might not even get the D and D Beyond version. I might just get the alternate hardcover and then get the roll twenty version so that I can run it on run the adventure on roll twenty.
0: Nice. Yeah, you might be seeing me in the news um, as I rob a bank, so
2: <laughs> yeah, I, Keep an I eye mean, out. I've I've already ordered I, I pre ordered the deluxe edition with the board game and the book. And then when I got home that day, because they always do these events on Thursday, which is my weekly game. So I'm in the middle of my D&D session uh, pre-ordering this board game set. And then when I get home, my wife's like, hey, did you see they have the Beetle and Grimm's version up? And I'm like, nope. But since you just mentioned it to me, that's permission for me to buy it.
1: I was going to say, much. bless her heart. <laughs> right.
2: So I did that. Um, and on that same day, I also bought two Ravenloft or the two Spilljammer sets. So I spent a lot of
0: Oh, one thing I love about the Beetle and Grimm's version is, you know, usually they call it like uh, silver edition, platinum edition, something like that. This is steel. Right.
1: Yes. Oh, I didn't even okay. pick up on that. I, yeah. I'm i not I'm not a cool. collector type person, so I, I was only vaguely aware of the Beetle and Grimm things. That didn't even occur to me. That is funny. So steel yeah. instead of gold. It's very clever.
2: Yeah, because they do have silver, gold, and platinum uh, as far as the their box sets
1: now they got a steal that's so cool that's really
2: clever you can
0: get it for a steal no wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> it's Beetle and grim no you can't
1: so what do you think about uh about these minis john specifically Trampus. i don't know if you're into minis or not
2: when i first heard that we were getting a, a dragon lance book i immediately my thoughts went to i wonder what kind of miniatures we're going to get because i love miniatures i have thousands of, of d d miniatures, and it looks like they are not going to disappoint with this set. Um, they're doing you know the random boxes, uh, like they always do, um, which it looks like there's going to be a black dragon with a rider. Uh, Is I don't know if it's going to be one of the promo minis, or if it's going to be in a blind box, uh, but that looks like it's going to be something in the set. There's going to be packs, kind of like they've done with the uh, uh, the recent releases of like the Saltmarsh minis, where they have specific characters that you know and see. Uh, so they're doing a pack of Dragon Army Warriors. They're doing a pack of Calaman Militia or Military Warriors. So the artwork that we've seen with the plain breastplates, uh, they are not Knights of Salomnia because they match the armor that are on these minis, so these are mm-hmm. Calaman military, not Knights of Salamnia. Um, I
0: will say what I'm seeing here on the WizKid site, um, it looks like there's two knightly characters. One appears to be a sword knight and the other, I'm guessing, is an older female um, rose knight, I would say. Um, those those both look really slick. Uh, their, their helmets... Remind me of Sturms a little bit. A
2: lot, yeah. And both of those minis, both of those characters, do have the very detailed-looking breastplate that would signify that they're a knight of some sort. But then we're also getting a Draconian Warband, which they've done a lot of warbands of various creatures with orcs, goblins, kobolds, ogres, what have you. So they're doing a Draconian Warband, so you get one of each color Draconian of the metallics. The only thing that's disappointing about that is usually the Warband minis are a different pose than the other minis, but the Baz Draconian looks like it's going to be the same Baz Draconian that's in the blind boxes. I hope I'm wrong, but from the pictures I've seen so far, that's what it looks like.
1: These Knight minis seen... look great. I like the Draconian ones. I like the Skeletal Knight. That looks cool. The Soth looks like one of Soth's Skeletal Riders.
0: Have you seen the blue uh, uh, Draconian? Yeah, I'm wondering what that
2: is.
1: I think that's um, a civac.
0: I'm guessing that is not a um, noble draconian.
2: <laughs> I, I think Megan's right. I think that's supposed to be a civac because in the fifth editions, you know, the draconian dreadnought or whatever they're called, they too had they had the big swords like that. And I'm sorry, civacs are the only ones capable of flight. And this mini is perched in the air using a clear base to look like it's in flight. So I, I think that that is probably a Civac. But yeah, the, the Skeletal Warrior on the horse looks awesome. There's going to be a promo where if you order any minis from the official WizKids D&D mini website, you get the Lord Soth, uh, which also looks pretty good. Um, someone, <laughs> someone mentioned that it looks like Lord Soth has been eating well in his um, <laughs> isolation. Um, but you know, Well,
0: he's a pot of plant, you know.
2: It's a potted plant. You you don't get out much. You don't get out much. Uh, but the kinder looks like, it looks cool. It's got to be yellow scarf, kind of like in the artwork we've seen. Um, the kinder mini. Uh, so I'm excited there's going to be actual kinder minis. Yeah, at least two, because you get one in the board game. And you get this yellow one, uh, yellow scarfed one that has the, uh, it's from the artwork we've seen. And then there's Takesis, you know, that's a thing. Um,
1: yeah, somebody said she looked like Maleficent. I think she looks like Rita Repulsa from the Power Rangers.
2: You didn't have to tell me that it was Tachesis. Um, Like, if, if I saw that mini in a Dragonlance set, and I knew it was a Dragonlance set, I would probably guess that it was Tachesis. If it wasn't a Dragonlance set, I wouldn't be able to guess that it was Tachesis at all. So there there is that. It's it's not as recognizable as uh, Tachesis artwork has been in the past. But the one I'm most excited about is the website I'm looking at calls it a ghoul hound with a question mark because they're not sure what it's called of course but that looks to me like the undead beast stock or stank whatever that creature is called just the artwork from the second edition uh, monster compendium I love that creature and I it's one of my favorite Dragonlance monsters ever and to see that we're going to be getting a mini for it has me ecstatic.
1: But, John, there was no stonks in Dragonlance.
2: You know, I'm oh, sure they up, <laughs> I'm Sure, they showed up in a short story somewhere. There can't work. be oh, any uh,
1: stonks in Dragonlance. There can't be any red slods, either.
0: Or oh any of this God.
1: plant thing. That's what? not in Dragonlance.
0: I Violence, don't. you gatekeeper.
1: Hashtag <laughs> not my Dragonlance.
0: Oh, oh,
2: God. <laughs> I'm, I'm really wondering what this tree-looking thing is. Um, You know, some sort of trance, um, it looks like, but a very, very peculiar-looking one, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that thing is, but I guess we'll find out.
2: Right, and then there's a, a red-robed creature.
1: Yeah, that a, one's weird.
2: A... a uh, An orb? Dragon orb? A fireball? Getting ready to cast? I don't know, but it looks like it has some sort of metal mask on, whatever it is, it looks awesome, and I can't wait to get it. The miniatures for this set are going to be great. The artwork is really, really good that I've seen so far. I'm very excited about the artwork for Dragonlance because, you know, not all Dragonlance artwork has been great. Um, so I'm excited to see some really high-quality uh, artwork that, you know, Wizards of the Coast has been known for.
1: I personally think it's reassuring that they're putting such high quality art into this set. I think it's, I mean, maybe it's just me, but it feels like that bodes well for the quality of the overall release.
0: Also, uh, I want to just say to keep watching the Dragonlance Nexus. Not only are we going to have a ton of news coming out, but we're also uh working on our own supplements for Dragonlance that are going to kind of fill in those gaps where, Wizards of the Coast may not have had enough um, page count to cover things, you know. And so we'll be able to go more in depth, perhaps explore other time periods. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it, we're, we're trying to keep that classic Dragonlance feel, but, you know, yet still take advantage of the fifth edition rules and take stuff from whatever era of Dragonlance. just stuff that we enjoy and find fun.
1: And on that note, I think we should wrap things up. But thank you both for coming on and hanging out and chit-chatting about Dragonlance. I think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited. It looks to me like it's going to be pretty awesome, and it bodes well for the future of Dragonlance.